Hey, welcome to the first episode of the first ever podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Bohm. In a world with a million shows to choose from, I truly appreciate having any of your time. You may be wondering why it's called the first ever podcast. Well, it's as simple as this. My goal is to interview artists of all kinds, whether they're actors, musicians, poets, photographers, painters, tattoo artists, it doesn't matter, any art form, and I'm interested. I want to learn about their first experiences that brought them to where they are today. My first guest is Brendan Yates. You probably know him most from singing in Turnstile, but he's also the drummer of Trapped Under Rice, the guitarist in Angel Dust, and now even makes music under the name Free the Birds. I love Brendan. He's one of the kindest and sweetest people that I've ever had the pleasure of touring with. So when I was thinking of first guests, he was at the forefront of my brain. I wanted to make a note that this podcast was recorded on May 7th, which was a few weeks before the tragic murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis Police Department. I'm only pointing that out because at the beginning of the episode, we discuss COVID at length and nothing else before jumping into the interview. Once again, I want to say thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy. This is me and Brendan Yates, and this is the first ever podcast. Brendan, thank you so much for, for being my first guest on this thing. Yeah, you're welcome. It's good. To, uh, I'm honored to be the first one, the guinea pig. <laughs> I appreciate it. How's things? How's things over there? Things have been good. Um, obviously, we've been kind of just uh, in isolation mode for the last, um, I guess, like month and a half. We were we were in Europe when um, everything kind of started popping off with like the travel bans, and it kind of started to get serious. So uh, it got cut short. Um, the trip got cut short, and we flew home a few days early and pretty much just been laying low ever since. I remember being really nervous for all of you because once everything, specifically the travel ban started happening, all of us were thinking like, man, Turnstile is still on tour over there right now. Like, I hope they're going to be able to get home. And then I saw that you had played like, I think it was maybe one more show in the UK, correct? Yeah. So it all kind of, all that kind of, I remember I, like everyone was getting like texts from people back home and stuff like, yo, are you guys good? And I was like, why? And then, you know, we all watched the news. It was like two in the morning after a show. And, um, there was like the travel ban, um, was announced and we basically just weren't sure what was going to happen. So our just initial reaction was just to buy flights home immediately because when it was first announced, it wasn't necessarily like with any information or details. It was just, there's no more traveling. So we're just like, oh shoot. And just bought, you know, the flights before the, the flight prices went up. And I remember we were with Ned too, um, who uh, is in Glitterer and he didn't get his flight that night. And he was looking the next morning and flights were like $10,000. We were confused because the the last two shows got canceled by like the government just shut down any kind of gathering. But London, we like checked in with the London promoter and we were asking if everything was going to be okay or if that was shut down. They're like, no, no, everything's good here. Like, haven't heard of anything. Everything's okay. And then I think it was, I think it was actually the next, the very next day after London show when we decided to fly home, when all of London pretty much just shut down. So it was really in that like real sweet spot of no one really knowing what the right answer was. Yeah, what was the vibe at the last show that you played? Could you sense in the room that people were nervous? 
I don't think nervous. It was actually really cool. I think it was, it was still, a lot of people ended up writing us and saying that they actually weren't able to come. You know, people kind of were saying, oh, I live with my family and, you know, I'm not totally sure, but I, I just decided to stay home, you know, which totally respected. But, um, so I think there was a, a big portion of people that ended up just not coming. Right. And then, but the people that were there was like, you know, super, super cool energy in the room and, um, really cool show for being in such a transitional time. I didn't want to put you on the spot and talk about, you know, how some of you got sick. I don't know if you were, if you all were maybe trying to keep some of that private, but was that difficult for you to go to the doctor and get, get that figured out? Or was it pretty easy in your neighborhood? Daniel and I, um, both kind of had full symptoms of of being sick and having different living situations. So I was kind of basically isolated and just a place with no one else really. And it was just in my bedroom, fully full isolation mode. Um, Daniel on the other hand was at his, uh, in a house with his mother and his stepdad who his stepdad had had a a really bad uh, asthma. And it was kind of a situation where they just, once he explained that to his doctor, they were kind of like, all right, you need to come in and get tested just so we can make sure because you're in a living situation that is, uh, you know, they basically told me like, there's no point in being tested if I was already home isolating and it wasn't a point. Sure. It was basically just come in if you feel like you're actually on the verge of death, which I feel like at that point I wouldn't even be able to move. So the whole thing was like confusing. It's all still a mystery to me. You know, I've done a lot of reading and stuff about it or tried to keep up with what's going on with it, but um, always kind of just find, it's just kind of going in circles and I kind of just accepted the the mystery of it all as far as not not fully understanding it, you know, so. Well, hey, we'll move on to actually the point of the show. Again, I appreciate you sharing your uh, your experiences with all this. It's it's uh, it's it's helpful for all of us, even you know, from from me to to everyone. So thank you. So Brendan, the you know the show is called the first ever podcast, and my idea behind it is just to basically run through everyone's kind of first experiences uh, with what led them to what they basically do now, and because I, I feel like it's kind of cool to hear the humble beginnings of how everyone started because, you know, I think in the, in this, you know, social media sort of age um, that gets lost sometimes maybe on a younger generation too, where people just have this assumption that, you know, you just jump right to whatever they think the top is. Um, Obviously with punk and hardcore, I feel like the ceiling is a little lower, which I think that's great. I think it's one of the best parts about what we do, but we can start right out the, right out the gate with, um, what was your first experiences with music in general? Like, what were your parents uh, big music people, or did you find it on your own? What's your What's your story with that? You know, I've been exposed to music probably all my life because obviously my parents would play music in the car. My dad loves Smokey Robinson. I would like Temptations, Motown stuff. Like that was what my dad was always playing. Those stations. Um, and my mom loved that stuff as well, but more, um, more kind of just stuff from the seventies. Um, I was always kind of exposed to, but I think I started really being fascinated by it once my older sister had started making me, um, 
mixtapes of different just like rock and rap stuff and stuff that was probably you know mid like mid 90s i also had this little this little boom box that i would carry around because it was battery powered and it would have the am fm stations and i had a cassette recorder so i would basically just once i you know my sister would kind of would show me she would show me some music or like um she was showing like Pearl Jam or something like that or Nirvana or like BC Boys or all these things, ODB. And I was just like, oh my gosh, these things are like <laughs> really sick. Like, how do I listen to this more? So I would carry this radio around and I would have these, I would ask for blank tapes for every birthday and like Christmas and stuff. And I'd basically just put the blank tape in and I would just make my own mixtape. So I would carry it around. If I was playing in the, like in the neighborhood with friends and um, we were playing football or uh, skating or doing whatever, I would always have it. And I'd be listening like in my, uh, just even if I was in the distance, I'd just be making sure like if I heard the commercials were coming, it was coming back from commercials, I'd run over to it and make <laughs> sure that I was ready to press recording. And I would pretty much just press record no matter what. So it'd be like the perfect cut of right. whatever song was about to be. And if it was a song that I loved, then I would record it and then perfectly stop it at the end and then do the same thing for every song. And if it was a song that I didn't like, or I already had recorded like a bunch of times, I would press record and then be like, Oh, I already got this one, you know, stop, rewind to the perfect spot. So I was always doing that for so long. Um, and I remember, uh, probably my favorite song of just in the world at that whole time was, um, the song breathe by prodigy by the prodigy. Okay. And yeah. I would, I would call that song in like, to the radio stations, DC 101, HFS, um, 98 Rock, any station that was playing that song, I would always be calling in. I'd be requesting it because I just wanted to record it as much as possible. Um, <laughs> and it was kind of not really one that came on regularly, you know, like yeah. Nirvana was always on. There's there things that were on more regularly that I could have captured, but that one they would play like at two in the morning sometimes, like once and maybe once throughout the day but I just love that song. I was always trying to record it and get it on my mixes. And then I remember calling it a DC, I think it was DC 101 and the DJ at the time who I believe her name was Kelly Knight. I called one time and she picked up and she said, Hey, is this Brendan? I was like, yeah. She's like, we're going to play, we're going to play breeze soon. I've never owned any prodigy records. Is that on the same record that has like Firestarter and all that? That was the main song yep. I, ever, I ever knew from them. So is that fat of the land? Fat of the land. So that was, yeah, it was that record. And I, I remember just every time I would go into a CD store or like, like a Barnes and Noble or tower records or something, any store, I would always look for that. And I would just try to convince, uh, someone to buy for me, but it had explicit titles on the back. And oh, okay, I don't think yeah. that, I don't think the CD was parental advisory, but I think, uh, there was like some ex explicit titles on the back that, just I was never allowed to get it. Oh shit! I remember the, there was that other the other single, the "Smack My Bitch Up." Is that on that record too? That's on that one. Yeah, and I'm yeah, pretty so sure there might be another one. But being young, my parents, you know, and not really knowing what it was, they're just like, "No, nah, we're not going to get that." How how much? What was the age difference between your sister and you? She's 20 years older than me. Oh, so wow. okay. when I was born, she was 20, um, and she, you know, was in her early 20s when I was kind of like growing up in that time when she was kind of giving me these things. So it was kind of the perfect time. Cause at that age, I feel like you're, you have the, uh, mind capacity to just be into current music. And, you know, so she was making me all these cool mixtapes and would be like, show me a band or, um, and I think also, 
you know, that was one angle. And then I think another angle was like, um, when I started to really like find out what music I liked, a lot of it was from, you know, a Tony Hawk video game or, um, video games that would have soundtracks, um, or skate right. videos that we'd be watching. Um, I remember there was a, that, there was a video game. Do you remember Twisted Metal? Totally. Yeah. We, uh, in the, in the Touche van, we always make jokes about, about a certain characters in there, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like kind of like a constant joke, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I just remember because my neighbor had a, a Twisted Metal, the game. And I remember just one day I took the, took the game and put it into a CD player just out of curiosity. And yeah. when you put it into the CD player, it would play the soundtrack. No way. Um, yeah. So I just totally was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And I think just that alone, that like unlocking that uh, realization, yeah. it made me just like listen to that all the time. Cause I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> I can listen to the songs that are playing when you're playing the video game. And I think it was like Rob Zombie and- <laughs> Oh my God. I'm trying to think what else is on it. A lot of just like heavy, like industrial metal stuff. I, I don't really know. I don't really remember like the characters that, that well. I remember like playing the game, but I think I was honestly, when I, when I was playing it, I was more focused on the fact that there were songs, you know? And I think it's the same with, I just never got really good at video games. I was never, and I still am not, um, never really good with the mechanics of it, of just, you know, being good at... Uh, doing actual like anything other than just button smashing you know sure yeah, yeah um yeah. but like tony tony hawk games coming out and having soundtracks for everyone like that's what i was focused on every single time like, the first thing i would do before i like do a free skate would just be to like pick this song pick like a different song like oh i want to listen to this song while i do this you know so i think i was talking about this kind of recently and i think that's probably one of the most influential music um or video games on music in general, you know, like I, I don't know anyone that wasn't somehow affected by just the Tony Hawk soundtrack in, in all the video games, you know? So at what age did you start playing instruments? Cause you're, you're a, uh, you're one of those people that can play multiple instruments. Um, obviously you played drums for trapped under ice and play guitar for angel dust and you write music for turnstile and everything like that. So what was the first instrument you picked up that you connected with? Drums was the first instrument. So drums, um, I always just love drums. I still consider that probably my, if I had to pick an instrument that was my instrument, I'd say it's drums. Um, I always wanted a drum set when I was real young. I think that's probably right when I started getting into music on my own outside of what I was just playing on my parents' radio. I think once I realized that there was other stuff that I was starting to kind of... Um, choose as you know the, my kind of music i was realizing that like i wanted to play drums so i was always asking for a drum set i remember i got like a, a kind of starter drum set when i was real young um one that i think was kind of for my parents maybe a tester of all right well if he actually plays this because this is like probably one like those cheap plastic ones that would break so easy you know sure yeah 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 i mean that's it's the same thing as like when i like the fen or like the Squire Strat was like everybody's first guitar because it was like the you know, hundred fifty two hundred dollar maybe guitar that it's like if he sticks with it or she sticks with it like we'll we'll move on to the next the next uh, the next thing maybe later on but you know we we got to see if they actually connect with this thing first yeah for sure so that's exactly what that was for me and then obviously as soon, I think it was probably third grade or something like that. I was like, I want to join the school band. Like, I just wanted to play drums as much as possible. So I was playing drums in like the school band and then 
Was that junior high or was that high school? I guess I would have been elementary school. I went oh, to wow. a, I went to a school that was kindergarten through eighth grade. It was a, um, a private Catholic school. So it was just from kindergarten through eighth grade. It was all just the same kids. It was like a small little school with the same 60 kids in my grade the entire time, all the way up. So I was playing like in that band and I was like in like the orchestra band and then I was coming home playing my drum set. Um, and then finally, I, I guess I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I want to say it was probably fifth or sixth grade or something, you know, age 12 or something is when I finally got um, the real first drum set. And as soon as I got that, um, I would just like playing it every day. And then um, eventually had, you know, had people on my block. So on my exact street, it's only a, a street of probably 15 houses or so. I had entire bands worth of people. So I had my friend across the street who played guitar and sang and my friend up the street who played bass. And then later on, and later on, um, Brady who plays in turnstile as well. He also grew up on the street, but I didn't meet him until maybe he was, he was younger, maybe a, a few years younger than me, which isn't a gap now, but when you're like 12 oh, and yeah. the, the other person is seven or like when you're, right, whatever yeah, it was, yeah. if I was 10 and he was seven, that is a big gap because seven, you're still like, you know what I mean? You're not a like total little kid going yeah. outside. Yeah. So we ended up kind of just like playing, started playing music at like that age. Brady was actually, I want to say nine or 10 years old or something. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. And it was so cool. I was just practicing every single day after school. You know, you come up from school, you call each other on the house phone. Want to jam? Yeah. We all <laughs> meet at our friend Mark's house and then just play songs all day. Do you remember the first song that you learned how to play on your own on drums that was exciting to you? Yes. I. So I loved growing up and I still love uh, the band Hot Water Music. Yeah. Um, and I actually... That was a band that I think kind of slipped into my life through my neighbor who grew up in Florida and had an older brother who was into music or a cousin or something, I think, that sent him like a Hot Water Music CD. So that was a kind of a, that was still when I was only listening to, you know, radio or like video game stuff. But then Hot Water Music somehow came out of nowhere and was this band that his cousin sent him. He's like, yeah, listen to this drummer, like listen to this band. And I loved it because um, it was super aggressive and the drummer and the the bassist, like just the rhythm section was just so like on point and groovy and like tight and like a lot of like cool like jazz stuff going on and just like real like like crazy like you know if at, at that age I'm just like this is like crazy like rock music and they're like screaming and it's like melodic but they're also like the drummer's like so good and he's doing these like cool like close hi-hat grooves and like the drums sure. really cool rhythms and I was just playing along to like entire hot water music records um i mean that's exciting too because that's that sounds like that was your first band that you probably felt was yours because it wasn't something that was on the radio did you feel that yeah i definitely i definitely do think that was like the one where you know i connected to as mine because i would go to my school and i'd be like yo do you guys know hot water music i'm just like what is that you know and it's like let me show you so it was like having that to kind of um bring my, my CD Walkman and put the headphones on, on the kids before school started and be like, wow, this is crazy. So you learned how to play a hot water song first. Like that was, that was what, or like you, you, that's what you like you practiced on to, to try to, to get to be the first song you could like play all the way through. Was that sort of the thing? Yeah. Th 
Their record, um, Forever and Counting, that entire record, like front to back, was what I would pretty much just play all the way through, like every day. Like I come over to squad, just play the whole thing. When you when you were all getting together, were you were kind of trying to write your own songs first and then learn maybe covers later on, or or did you like warm up with covers? I think it would kind of be like when we first started, it was kind of just like, all right, this is what I know how to play in guitar. And then I would just start playing, you know? So like my friend learned like a, the blues progression or whatever. That was like, you know, that kind of like, that kind of like walk that it goes on. That's just like the classic, like, uh, progression, like blues progression. And we would kind of be like, we actually have a recording of it as probably one of the first things we did as well as a song called the Waka Waka song where we did the, like he didn't know how to play any chords yet so he was like Waka 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 and I was like Waka 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 it's kind of just like that so it was kind of just like figuring like figuring the simplest things out of like how to play something and then I would just like come in and be like yeah okay so this is what we're gonna play. And I remember like we once we got the like the blues progression down, then we started playing it fast. We're like you know kind of just like jamming the same things every day but just like kind of uh trying them in different ways i guess uh do you remember what the first show you played was was it like a was it a talent show that that was for a lot of us i think maybe the first kind of a thing but do you remember what yours was yeah the first show i ever played was with crazy annoyance so mm-hmm. it was the, the neighborhood band and this is this is before brady um started playing with the group um but we played, so my, the town that I grew up in was called Burtonsville. Um, and they have a Burtonsville day festival every year where it's basically, they do like the parade and, um, you know, with like the, the high schools and like the, the football team, like the cheerleader. And then, and then like, um, there's a little, where it ends is kind of like, they do like a car show. I think there's sometimes there's like a horse there that you can ride or really, really like, low key, like small town, kind of little, um, celebration day. And I think they raise money for the fire department, I think. And we were always just like, man, we gotta just practice every single day so we can play Burnsville day one day. And we would always be emailing like the website. Um, just be like, can we please play? We're from Burnsville. Like we, we, uh, you know, we live in Burtonsville. We we've been playing for a long time. We have a lot. We have a lot of songs. I think we have five, we have like five or so songs. And then we also want to play Nirvana. And we want to play. Um, I think we did a, a Boston cover as well, like more than a feeling. But it, it sounds so it sounded so bad. It was like I think we freestyled. We made up songs on stage. It was like oh, it was so crazy. Good. But yeah, so they they allowed us to play that year, and we set up and we were playing. Um, and it was really also I have a video of that which is so fun to watch um, because I think some of the songs we we're playing were ones that we had practiced and then some of them were just we were so nervous and you know just wanted to have something to play because we you know it's not like we practice like a set we kind of just were like oh yeah we know these songs we'll go we are good to play so we would just right. some the guitar would just be like playing something on stage and then I'd start playing and the bass would come in and it was very interesting to watch and then and then the singer started um kayla who was my neighbor he just started like ah screaming into the mic and this is really it's just it's all just people from the town that do not want to be listening to these kids just like make the worst noise and just ruin their whole experience it's funny how that can still translate to what you and i do today when we get thrown on a festival that might be not mm. exactly a punk rock festival. You still, you can still sort of go to that that same place and and get that same feeling again. We're like, oh man, 
I feel bad for all these people waiting to see, you know, this really soft thing that probably comes up after us, but here we are. So how long did that band last? Were you, was that out? Did you, did that continue like into high school, out of high school or how did you continue playing with Brady and other, in other bands before Turnstile happened? It basically was just, it just was like an evolution of just the same band, but like changing names. So the, that next year we went, we were this band once up too many. And at that point we were like making our own songs that just, we just wanted to be hot water music or we wanted to be Nirvana and we wanted to be like, just like, but then also have like, we had a song called the metal song. Cause it was Brady like playing some kind of crazy, like single string thing. We're like, Oh, this is a metal song, you know? Right. So, um, but it was, it was called once up too many when we went back and that kind of was just like, that was kind of our um, our foundation that kind of just evolved. So we kind of started out wanting to be like that. And then we started getting into heavier stuff. Uh, once this guy moved into our neighborhood, his name was Juan. And he he kind of came into our neighborhood around that time. And he he saw us skating or something. I, I forget how exactly how we met him. But he basically, he had tattoos. And he was, looked like the, he was in his like maybe early 20s or something and he invited us to his house for a bible study he's like guys i'm gonna do a bible study at the street if you guys want to come we're like oh sick yeah, yeah we're down he's like, i'm gonna order pizza and we're like all right sick and then we started to kind of that kind of started to become a regular thing and he was like showing us like hardcore essentially he was like showing us um stuff that he liked and like heavier stuff and we we're like dang heavy music is cool so i think that that band that we kind of had was kind of like we just kept, kept, didn't start a new band. It was just always one thing that kind of just evolved with what we were into at the time. And um, I think the last formation of it was basically like just very, um, we just like loved hate breed and kind of like straightforward, just like real heavy, like, and, and Brady was actually evolved to the singer and then the old singer took, took the guitar, took on the guitar. So that was kind of the last formation um, of the band before, I started playing with Trapped Under Ice. So it kind of was like, that was the evolution of the band up to there. And then I started drumming with Trapped Under Ice, which I think led to that band just not really playing much anymore. At what point did you meet the Trapped Under Ice people? Like, when did you meet Justice and all of them? So that's actually the the guy, Juan, that moved into our neighborhood um, and started, you know, invited us for the Bible study. He started also bringing us to shows. He'd be like, guys, there's a show at this community center. It's a hardcore show. It's just hardcore bands and metal bands and you guys are going to really like it. So we would go and that's actually how we met like justice and um, Sam and some other older friends because they were playing the shows with us or they're before we started actually playing these shows, we would just go to them and their bands would be playing. We'd be like, Oh my God, these guys are so cool. And they're all really nice to us. You know, we were, younger and we were coming in and they would be like, dude, you guys like that's that one song you have with that real heavy part. We're like, yeah. And they would like kind of like make us excited to like want to keep coming back and hang around them and, you know, kind of um, look out for us in a way too. you know, like us like trying to like be involved in the crowd and making sure that we like, we were like not being stupid or that we were like going to be okay if anyone was like, you know, so it was kind of cool just to have like coming in, just having a conversation with them, meeting them, and then them kind of feeling like older brothers a little bit. So when you joined Trapped Under Rice, was that then your first experiences, uh, experience like going into a recording studio and all that sort of stuff? Or had that band uh, that you had with Brady, had you gone into a recording studio and done the whole thing? 
we had done we had kind of done recording um so the one neighbor that we started with um he kind of bought like a real um small little recording setup i forget exactly what it was it was some sort of like digital recorder thing where you just plug in one thing at a time and um he was kind of just operating the whole thing so we would record with him and i remember eventually we decided we wanted to actually record a record we said we want to go in we want to actually record this not just do it ourselves because we had done all these bedroom recordings like we're going to go in with this guy from our town who is our friends this um this girl laura we went to high school with she her older brother was this was this guy who is now a friend of mine but at the time i only knew him because i just knew he was from burtonsville and he recorded bands and he ended up um doing some like early all-time low recordings and he did like a lot of pop punk and stuff from the area at the time so we were just like oh this guy is like doing a lot of things we wanted to record with him so i think caleb emailed him or something and kind of was just like, Hey, you know, we go to school with, with Laura, we're friends and, um, we want to record a record and we want to just know if you're, if you're able to do it for us and like how much it'll be. And we were kind of saving up money for it. And I remember the email back, um, was kind of like, yeah, I'd be down. I forget exactly how he worded it, but he said, your drummer has to be doing rim shots. Like he, but your brother drummer has to be good at rim shots and like have the accuracy to be able to chord. So, you know, and I remember just being so intimidated by that because I just like, I was like, what is that? Like, what do you mean a rim shot? Like, so I looked it up and I saw it and I was just like, dude, there's no way I'll be able to make every snare hit like that. If he's at, like asking for it. And I remember just being like, so scared. I was like, guys, I don't think, I don't know if we'll be able to do that. You know? And I honestly don't think it was like, it's so funny to think back on because, you know, I know him now and we're friends. Um, but like, I think just my, I was just intimidated of just the idea of recording in general. And I think like that was kind of a reality check. Like, oh, this guy is actually for real and we have no idea what we're doing. Do you look forward to uh, the recording process way more now than you did even in those early years? Like was ex- was recording at all exciting to you in the beginning? Um even with that pressure or is it like, did like how much has that changed over time? I guess is what I'm, is what I'm uh, getting at. I would say I've always been really excited to go in, but I think why I'm more excited now than ever is because the process has kind of changed a little bit. So the process initially when I was younger, it would be, Oh, you want to record a record? Well, we have two weekends to get it done. So you basically just go in with exactly whatever you have and you just record it and like you don't really have much time to kind of you just go with kind of whatever you got like yeah time the, is money you know, situation the first couple totally. takes yeah. yeah and we were like the way we were paying for it we basically like saved up whatever we could but then we also like cleaned his entire backyard that had all these like tires and mud and all this stuff we basically were like working for him in his backyard so it's kind of like a a trade of favors yeah like doing um, chores for it that's so cool yeah but i think back then it was just more so of like rush to get like, I hope we get this done. If we didn't, you know, we're kind of screwed, but we were just like, please like rush, yeah. get it done real quick. And now it's more like now we plan to be able to go in with as much as possible, as many ideas as possible, as many songs as possible, whether the ideas are hundred percent complete or only like 5% complete, but just like have a, some kind of idea that you want to see come to life and basically be able to spend more time in there with everyone, with good sounds, with, um, good equipment that you just don't have in your bedroom or just with the only sole purpose of just going in and just 
putting heads together and just like trying to make something exciting. So I think that's why I'm more excited about it now is because now I have that kind of, uh, the outlook on it where I, when I'm, when we're going in, it's like something we're about to just like spend time on and like, you know, not just settle for, not just put out anything. We can just go in and just, you know, try things out. And if it takes like three years, that's fine. And if it takes two weeks then it's totally fine, you know? What was your first touring situation? Did you tour with that band with Brady or was your first tour with Trapped Under Ice? So the band with Brady, we had toured, but I, I don't know if I would really call it a tour. We basically planned our a trip. We would just play like around the area. My dad like my dad would drive us. He like drove us up to New York one time. We played Staten Island, like in some bar. We would just play a lot around like Pennsylvania, Maryland, like New York, stuff like that. Um, and then one time we did like a five day trip down to Florida where we basically would just like just found a bunch of shows we could hop on or just found this bar that let us play there just for free. Was that with your, was that with the parent driving? That actually one that was with, that was right when, um, our guitar player had gotten his license. So we'd basically borrowed his parents van and just drove down to Florida and back in like five days, which is such a far drive, but we were just psyched to do it, you know? And how old were you? So I was probably like 17 or 18. Okay. That's so cool. And so that was my only experience. So, you know, is that a tour? I guess, I guess I'd say it was a tour. Oh, I would say it was kind of more of like a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you left your state, you drove really far and you had more than two shows, right? A couple Instead shows. Five. Yeah. yeah. I love those first experiences because as, as hard as they might seem at the time, you know, I'm sure how many, how many more like little, little self-booked family run tours did you did you do before you did like a a longer tour so i think that was really the everything else was just like driving like to a sh like weekend like two shows or one show here like some in state some out of state pennsylvania new york but that was really the lat like once that one was done that was kind of felt like five shows that was like that was like a big thing We're like dang we just did a we just did a tour and right after that I'm pretty sure maybe that same year um, is when Trapped Under Ice got a tour offer with Terror, Sick to Your Guns, and Born from Pain, and it was two months in Europe. No way! So that was your that was your first long tour. That was my first long tour. It was two months in Europe. I never left the country. I had yeah. only really just done you know pretty much that, that year, that same year, like earlier in the year, I had just done like my first tour, which was down to Florida. And the jump from that to the Trapped Under Ice tour was just like, it was, I can't even imagine doing two a two month tour at all at this point. You know what I mean? It's like, I think at, the, at that point, there were just like, tours could would just go so much longer. And, you know, it would pretty much went everywhere in Europe. It went to Eastern Europe, I went to Spain and Portugal and all these different places. And um, was that 2008? What year was that? 2000? What do you remember? That was the summer of 2009. Okay. How was your experience on that two month tour? Were you, were you a shy person? Were you, did you find yourself like exploring on your own? Cause I know I, I would assume at that point, I mean, I know for sure Scott Vogel had been to Europe countless times, I'm sure already by that point, but like you were with obviously a lot of older people that probably had been before. Um, 
yeah, how did you how did you handle that two month tour? I mean, that like you're saying, like even right now, that sounds extreme to do two months over there. So like how how was that for you? It was so awesome. It was it was really cool because, you know, I was already comfortable with, um, you know, Justice and Sam and Brad and Jared as well. I had kind of like was still kind of within the year Um was very friendly with, but like still just kind of like hadn't really known them for as long, but I, you know, I had Sam and justice there. I was like, all right, these I've, I've been knowing them for a long time. And I kind of had like this, um, this comfort that I'm here with friends, but I also just didn't know anyone else in any of the bands and was definitely, I think very nervous and, um, uh, wasn't sure what to expect, but then upon getting there and just realized like, you know, people were just like, super hyper and then i kind of like i definitely like um it was an environment where i was just easy to kind of just like go with the flow of everyone else's energy and i would we would just get like super we'd just like stay up super late and just be like making funny songs and like uh just like every single day as well it was like you know everyone was so cool and everyone was so friendly and hanging out with each other all the time like everyone was going on walks and stuff like that and like just every single day too I had never been to any of those cities. I never even left the country. So right. even if I woke up in like a, a town in like the middle of nowhere, Germany, and it was uh, just a place that, you know, maybe people that had been there was like, oh, this is like, you know, we're kind of just in the middle of nowhere. I would just wake up and be like, this is the first time I've ever seen this in my life. This is so sweet. So I think that kind of like for it being two months and playing a show almost every night, it kind of helped with that. Cause I was like, it doesn't matter. Cause I'm in a new city every single day. This is like, every day was like a new experience and didn't feel like a routine or anything, you know? Cause I was just like, this is so insane. This like, I'm on this tour with these bands that I love and everyone's so nice. Everyone's hanging out. And like, it was definitely very, uh, and the same thing. Like I, like, it's just like, I didn't need sleep really. I didn't right. really like, showers were just like, oh, I'll just go jump in the ocean, you know, like it was very new and exciting and like everywhere. So it was really cool. I, I was glad that that was like, whenever I tell people that that was like the a first kind of tour, it's always so ex like surprising because think about like two months in Europe, like that is like right. not a typical, normal, like long first tour experience, you know? So so last thing, uh, last thing I want to talk about was, um, how was it adapting to record labels? Like what was your, how was your experience over time? Because you obviously are part of Popwig now and you've, you're in one of those situations where you've been a part of so many different record labels. I think your whole community and the bands that you play, play with, uh, have all been a part of so many labels from obviously like, uh, reaper to react to good fight to roadrunner to you know you're like it's you've you've pretty much put out records on a majority of these labels that put out this genre like was it was it hard or difficult like not difficult but like how had it been traversing all those different labels and then did you take what you learned from all of those experiences to apply it to doing pop wig i think it's exactly that i think um you know, being able, like you said, how, you know, the community of, of a smaller music scene kind of provides you relationships with friends that are happen to be doing labels and you can kind of build a relationship and do a label, you know, and 
uh, or uh, work, uh, put a really uh, record out on a label with someone that's your friend. And that's like such a cool thing, you know, to think that there's like, all right, there's people making music, there's people doing this and everyone can kind of work together. So I think that's kind of how it initially started, you know, like, um, and doing records on Reaper where it's, it's like so cool. It's like every time we come through town, we're like staying at Patrick's house and, you know, it's like the Reaper headquarters and, um, uh, just like, you know, being able to like feel comfortable with like, Hey, I want to put this record out. We want to do this. And we, like having kind of like a, uh, a kind of foundation of people that can like help you and people that are down to like help push and you can help, you know, it's just like the idea of it is cool. And then once you start to work with like, you do another record and you see like differences and like, okay, well this, this part's cool. And I like this. And, um, and I think exactly like doing pop wig, like once, you know, justice brought up the idea of like wanting to do a label. I think that the idea was kind of to basically, um, in a very simple way, be able to just put out music for um, bands that we like or think that are doing something cool or would be excited to just work with or be able to help in any way. And um, to do it in a way that's very non-formulaic and really um, just what the band wants to do. And, you know, we definitely... Um, aren't like a big label that has a lot of resources um, necessarily, but you know, it's like some bands will have that want to do a, a record will just be like, Hey, here's this artwork. I want to do this music video. I want to do this thing. And this is how the song, like, is it going to, this is how like the song order is going to be and everything. And it's kind of like very hands off. And then other bands might be like, Hey, like, I don't know what we want to do for art and we could maybe suggest something or um, kind of just offer opinions along the way and kind of like slightly from without being in the band kind of just like offering some sort of just like um, some sort of just, you know, presence and in, or involvement in the project. If it's, if it's uh, asked for, you know, so it's like just cool to be like, I think as a label, like we're just lucky and like honored to be a part of anyone that wants to like take what they're doing and make and have like our label put it out. Cause really it's just like in a way, like, you know, a, a association or like a building of like a family tree of the label or whatever. And it's just cool to be able to just be a part of any band doing, because, you know, bands are going to exist and bands are going to do exactly what they want to do. So like from a label standpoint, I think the idea is essentially just being able to be there for whatever that band might want to do and just like trying our best to figure it out. And uh, if we can't figure it out, then find some other way around it. And, kind of just like you know make just it help. make releasing records more something that's the band doing it and the label can assist and essentially be a tool you know what i mean be just a perfect tool and you know if the band just wants to just do the record with Popwig and then another one with someone else it's like we're super lucky for the time that they like wanted to do a record with Popwig, and you know what i mean so yeah you're 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 a helpful facilitator of things that you just find to be cool which is all a label really should be, you know, like if you believe in the project, if you believe in the project, like give it, give it all the legs you can. And I feel like you, you've all done a really wonderful job with that. I actually just ordered that truth cult record. Uh, and it's super good. It's super good. What, what I've heard from it so far, I was thinking of ways to, to wrap this up. Um, and do you remember the first experience that you had 
where you felt like you've you reached what you ex- like your first experience thinking i've i've made it to exactly what i was hoping to do like that moment where you're like oh man i'm doing it do you remember what that was i'm not totally sure i i feel like my life is constantly a series of those moments you know because i think i kind of realize in certain times whether it's just like you know right now when we're like in a lockdown or something like that and i'm basically able to you know still like you know do a facetime video or send a demo to my friend and like this is what i'm allowed um or this is what i have the um opportunity to, to use my energy for is to be able to like make songs or like to be able to go to the studio or to be able to like, you know, have a group of friends that I grew up with that I can be creative with, I guess, you know? So like, I feel like that itself is like, wow, this is exactly what I want to be doing at this point right now, you know, and being able to do other projects and step away and like, you know, work on other songs or, um, basically full-time be able to kind of spread myself into just different interests and really pick and choose what I'm like putting my energy towards like that alone a thing that I'm proud of. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't thank you enough for, for doing this with me, for, uh, for, for being my first guest. And, uh, I had a blast. Um, I miss you. So, I hope to see you soon. I hope so. If not, I'm going to drive my car across the country and we'll, we'll get some burritos and kick I love it in it. the sun. I love it. All right. Well, you take care. All right, bud. All right. You too. Thanks. there it is. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with your friends, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on the Apple podcast page to help the show just kind of get more visible to other listeners. Uh, This is a new project, as I mentioned. So I'm really grateful to be able to share these conversations going forward. So anything you can do to help spread the word is a huge, huge help. Uh, Thanks again. And I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Bye bye.